they're kind of the first full-fledged town that's probably going to get lost to sea level rise in America. I hope Tangier is saved, but I hedge a bit when it comes to the question of should it be safe? Let everybody know how much erosion. We ain't a sinking, we're eroding. We're not just talking about saving the land, a piece of land. We want to save a community, a, a, a way of life. Shall the Lord destroy Tangier? If we don't do anything, we're gonna have a lot more Tangiers, a lot more bigger cities and major cities lost. You're listening to Going Under, the story of Tangier Island, a production of WTOP. Here's Michelle Bash. The mayor of Tangier Island, who prefers the nickname Uker, showed me around the island in his boat on a windy, sometimes rainy day. Typical office hours, not his thing. I get up at uh, 2.30, sometimes 3 o'clock, and try to be out here and you have to get out here fairly early to get the soft crabs out of the water so they don't, don't get hard because you've been home, you know, most of the night. And get them, get them packaged up, get them uh, shipped to the mainland and try to be crabbing by daybreak. Uker has been working on the water full-time since he graduated from high school in 1976. Being mayor doesn't put food on the table, doesn't pay the bills. His boat is outfitted with two red Trump flags. I know they criticize Donald Trump, President Trump, for saying America first, but he's the president of the United States. He should be America first. I'm the mayor of Tangier Island, and it's Tangier first with me. Uker has a Jesus fish tattooed on one forearm and a Star of David on the other. Both symbols also decorate his boat. My boat is named Sri Davy. It's a... Uh, it's an Indian name, that name, my wife and I, we, we had two boys and we also adopted four girls from India. So she was the first uh, one to arrive, so uh, she got her name on the boat. Uker and his wife Irene initially adopted two girls from India and later learned a terrible truth. The second girl already had parents. She had been stolen from her birth family and sold to an orphanage. She was able to tell her adoptive parents once she had learned enough English. When Uker and Irene shared this with another couple they knew who adopted sisters from the same orphanage, that couple soon learned their girls had also been ripped from their families. In his book, Earl Swift explains that the four adoptive parents gave the four girls a chance to return to India, but all chose to stay in America. Then, incredibly, it was agreed that the four should live together with Uker and his wife on Tangier Island. Today, all four live on the mainland. They graduated high school, went to college, and they're, uh, one is in Texas, Austin, Texas teaching. One is in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. One in uh, Fairfax, Virginia. One in Salisbury, Maryland. Okay. My wife and I, we have six kids, seven grandkids. We're headed to a bit of land north of Tangier that was once connected to the rest and inhabited. It's called Uppards. The sky is cloudy and threatening rain. The water is choppy. Uker has a name for it, eel weather. Eels like nasty weather. Really? Yeah, when the weather's calm, uh, 
beautiful weather, you don't catch many eels. But when you get wind and rain and changes in temperature, uh, it's good eels, good eel weather. Eventually, a beach comes into view. You look in the shore there, that white thing there, that's one of the headstones. The gravestones in the sand are evidence of a town called Canaan that had to be abandoned in the 1920s or 30s. It's now under the waves. Canaan actually was about, about 40 feet from the shoreline there. And if you, if you walk along the shoreline here, you'll find like pieces of pottery, uh, bricks from the chimneys and, and foundations of the homes, and uh, you'll find some old bottles. That basically, that's all that's left. And occasionally you still find bones along the shoreline from the graves. In 2012, Hurricane Sandy washed away a graveyard here, leaving crumbled caskets and bones exposed on the beach. There are no docks along the north shore of Upperts, but Uker finds a spot where I can jump off into ankle-deep water and get a look around. To get to the headstones, I have to pass a power pole on the beach that looks like it's in danger of toppling and something else already has. There's an osprey stand that has actually fallen over on the shoreline there. Just last year, that was probably 15 feet inside from the shoreline, and now it's actually fell over. So what's been going on here, this erosion is, is constant. It's, it's ongoing. Crunching over oyster shells, I pass an area strewn with bricks and other debris. Then another place where small grassy spits of land point at the waves that are sloshing and foaming over them. A few more steps and I come to the bright white marble headstones on the beach. It's clear at least some of them have been moved by the living. Two stones next to each other in the sand are the same size and marked only with the carved initials PJP and NAP. One is propped up on an angle farther from the waterline than the others. Its carved inscription worn down. Margaret Pruitt, born April 2nd, 1836, died December 2nd, 1904. Let's see if I can read it. Dear wife, you here, I can't make out the last word. Dear wife, you here from earth and, wow, this is hard to read. I think it says something to the effect of from earth, it is that you are free. This is hard to make out, but thee and God alone and must go forever part. No sea shall meet again in light bright world where all is love. The last few words are where all is love. That much I can make out. I'm pretty good at setting aside my emotions while reporting, but not this time. This really, this really gets to you, because these are people's, these were meant to mark people's lives and, and to have them remembered. And now they're on a beach, and it's a hard to get to beach, and they're gonna be under the sand or washed Literally like washed to pieces. I, I actually moved one of them. Uh, there was an ostrich buried up here, and the uh, grave was starting to go into the water. 
So I, I dug the I got the, I dug the bones up, uh, put them in a box, sealed the box, and got the headstone and actually buried the bones down on Tangier. And there were some archaeologists that came up here a few years ago, and they they excavated some of the graves, got some of the bones, and there was one grave that came out. It was a uh, a small child, and uh, the, the, of course the coffin had eroded or rotted away, and but the bones were there, and inside uh, inside the coffin there was like some marbles, clay marbles. One of the most dramatic changes that I, I myself saw was actually on Uppards. David Schulte is the marine biologist. My first trip up there, I was standing in the graveyard, and I actually have pictures of myself standing next to some of the tombstones that are now out in the water. There were still long abandoned flower plantings up there. There were still trees, um, upland grasses. All that's gone now, and that's just in the, the 15 years that I've been visiting Tangier. So things are changing quickly for the island. Uker says... It's it's sad, really. I mean, you come up here and you look uh, you look at what's left and then you think back that, you know, there used to be a community here, kids playing up here and going to school, uh, folks going to the store for supplies and... Now it's all underwater. Next time on Going Under, the story of Tangier Island, why some famous names are hanging out at a crab shack. Sam Alito, John Roberts, Condi Rice, and Ann Coulter. I'm Michelle Bash. Going Under is a production of WTOP News in Washington, D.C. Find more at goingunderpodcast.com.